You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Again, so excited to see all of you in here this morning, and uh, it's a great way to start a year to, to come to church and enjoy God's people and uh, the presence of the Lord. So this is this is a this is a good day. I want to I want to talk to you uh, a little bit this morning about where we're going to go for the year. I want to kind of lay a challenge out to you, uh, and at the end of the service, we're gonna we're gonna just really try to open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit speak something to all of us this morning. And I realize I'm speaking uh, predominantly to lifers this morning, but uh, living way, I think some of the things that we have to say this morning are not only pertinent for Life Church, but they're pertinent for us as believers. I, I really believe that when the Spirit of God is moving and He gives people uh, kind of thematic focuses, uh, it's not always for a, a small and narrow portion of the body. I think it, it, it can be broadened. And though we will tailor some things to Life Church as we talk this morning, I think that Living Way and Life Church have, have tracked together in many ways over the years. And you truly are a sister church to us. So I, I really want to encourage you to open your hearts and to also let the Holy Spirit just speak to you to receive from this. And if you're visiting from another church from somewhere else, uh, again, I believe it's equally uh, valuable for you today uh, to hear some of these things as well. So uh, I want to I get right into this. I, I, I really feel like, well, I don't feel like I, I'm convinced. It's more than a feeling here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not operating this morning out of emotion and out of feelings. I'm an emotional guy. I can cry at the drop of a hat for the right things, uh, and I can laugh so quick and and, uh, and, and I, I, I live in my emotions sometimes. Um, but today is not about how I feel about something. It's what I believe in my heart. It's what I have experienced conviction for um, in the recent weeks. And uh, in seeking the Lord for this coming year. Not that God is limited or, or, or has boundaries that, that fit certain dates of a calendar. Because He isn't. He doesn't. All right? But we do believe that, that in that cycle of a year, God can speak to us about things and do things uh, in our hearts. And I think that's one reason we so strongly identify with the idea of making resolutions. Is we love fresh starts. We love new opportunities. We love chances to get in on something with God and, and do something. And so I want to take advantage of that this morning with you for a few minutes. And I want to lay something out for us as a church today. And uh, that is this, that we look at a particular theme for the rest of this year. We've sort of tried to, to move in this direction over the last, uh, say, three quarters of last year. And a lot of what we did fits very well into where I think we need to go here. But we want to use one word in this coming year to sort of describe the focus of where we're going to go as lifers, all right? I'm not talking right now about the mission and, and the missional dimension of what goes on outside of these four walls. But I'm talking about us as the body, lifers. What is it that we need to focus on? Where are we going together as a body? And the word is equipping. Equipping. That's where Pastor Dave and I have sort of landed as kind of a, 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 a benchmark for the rest of the year. And in a, we want this year to be very much about equipping you. And I'm not talking about talking about equipping. I'm not talking about getting heady. I'm not talking about ethereal uh, views. I'm not talking about just thinking this 
around in our head or are, are playing with it a bit and never really getting down to the nitty-gritty of being equipped. I'm talking about where the rubber hits the road. I'm talking about you and I having intentional things that we offer to one another in the body of Christ as a church that will help us to be greatly discipled and deeply committed and very equipped to do the work of the kingdom. By the end of this year, 2012, I want to know that I and you alike are well-established and well-grounded and well-equipped so that whatever we are faced with out there in terms of presenting the gospel, we feel a confidence and an ability to step up to what God is calling us to do and to do it. And so I'm talking about equipping from the standpoint of something that is very, very personalized for you and I as Life Church. And I hope that we'll see other churches get on board with this kind of thing themselves as well and do the same kind of thing. So we're going to have some discipleship classes for you this year. We're going to introduce them very soon. Uh, these are going to be classes that, that uh, we're going to get almost in the wrong tree about. We're going to get almost legalistic about because we believe in discipleship. We believe in being equipped and we believe that we need to help one another do this. We need to spur each other on in love. We need to get down to, to really doing the work of the ministry, not just talking about it or talking around it, okay? And uh, not that we haven't been doing some things. We've had a great year. Um, hopefully, uh, many of you are on the email list. You got the letter uh, uh, this, this week uh, just, just saying to you from us as pastors that we so appreciate the missional work of the church and all that you did in this past year uh, to bring the gospel. And uh, we, do, we do recognize what we have done. But we also recognize that there is so much more to be done. And, and the world is dying and going to hell without Jesus. And we are God's method. We are God's catalyst. We are God's instrument, however you want to phrase it. It's up to us, folks, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into the earth. And so I want to challenge you and I that we live that, that we live that gospel message out with such intentionality this year that there is no shadow of doubt as to what kind of church life church is. We are an evangelistic church. And so we're going to equip you to do that. All right? So I want to just play on that word for a few minutes this morning and then bring, bring the challenge a little bit more personal to every one of us at the end here. But I just want to give you three verses of Scripture this morning. Now, before I take you into those three verses and tell you what I, what I want you to grab from those... Um, I, I went and, and, and this morning I, I looked up in, in uh, Webster's just, just to make sure uh, that I was using this word correctly because um, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word wrong and, and I wanted to be very careful that I chose scriptures that, that use this particular word. So I'm going to give you a couple of different translations this morning because I, I want to play on this word of equipped or being equipped or equipping or whatever. But I looked up the, the definition for it in Webster's and it says to furnish are prepared for service or action by appropriate provisioning. Appropriate provisioning. To make ready. To give preparation. Alright, so that's what it means to be equipped. Alright, is to get ourselves ready. To be furnished, if you will, in such a way uh, that we are able to go into action uh, because we have what we need to do so. And uh, 
as I was reading that, I, I, I turned over in my Bible to, uh, to the book of Joshua. And, you know, right at the beginning of the book of Joshua, um, uh, God speaks to him and says, Hey, you know, uh, the man of God died, and you're the leader. You're going to lead these people, and you're going to lead them where I, I want them to go. And he says, don't you be afraid. Don't you be discouraged. You be, be strong. Be encouraged uh, to take the land that I am giving to the Israelites. Uh, but then if you turn over a couple of chapters and you begin to read, it says that the Israelites came by, by the river and they were getting ready to cross the river. But something unique happened and people sort of missed this. In, in the process of, 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 you know, going with the flow of the story and wanting, wanting Israel to take the land and wanting Israel to move forward and wanting to see what God's doing, they missed something that I think is very key. And that is that when they came to the river, the Bible says that they camped for three days there. God had already spoken to his new leader and had, had sort of put his, his hand upon him and, and, and affirmed him and, 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 and he was leading Israel now. But they come to the, the River Jordan and they're getting ready to cross over and it says they camped there for three days. So I did a little historical research into what it is that happens when people in that day and that time camp. What does it mean to camp? You know, are they just sitting around doing shmores and singing kumbaya? I don't think so. I think there's something more significant to camping than just existing. And as I begin to read, in, in that day, in that time, in the day of Israel, and we see it in the Israelites, if you study through the Scriptures even a little bit more, as they are there, something is happening in the camp of Israel. Something is going on. And one of the things that is going on is that the commanders of the companies, and you can, you can read even in Joshua how they were set out in, in, in companies and in, in numbers, but the commanders of the companies are going through the camp of all the Israelites and making assessments. They're going around and they're looking at several things. They're looking at the men who are trained for war, for battle. And they're making sure that those men are equipped. That they are even trained for the particular kind of warfare that they are going to be doing should they encounter an enemy. But they're also looking at all of the equipment that these individuals will be using to make sure that the equipment is what it's supposed to be, that it is adequate, and that it is prepared and it is ready. They're looking at the animals, the horses and such, to make sure that they are healthy and that they can be depended upon and that they are well trained. And they're looking at young leaders to see who are the, the young ones that will be coming up that, that we can train and that they can begin to take over. Knowing full well that from time to time there would be a casualty along the way. And there would be the need for new leadership to rise up. And what I'm saying to you is that any time that we are in a place uh, of some type of holding pattern or, or a weight, if you will, there's tremendous purpose. God is, God is very efficient. And He doesn't just put people on the sidelines. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that we're in a holding pattern for this year. But I believe that right now, God wants very much to equip us. 
And I'm not saying that, that it's time for us to drop the ball or even slow the momentum. I'm simply saying that we're, we're there. We're camped, if you will, so to speak. And I believe that there is a crossing over that's coming for Life Church and for the church at large. I believe that in this year, we're going to see more evangelism in God's kingdom than we've ever seen before because I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to bring revival into the earth. And that revival will bring about conviction of sin and repentance from sin. And people will be saved and they will come into the church and they will expect to be discipled and loved on and cared for and delivered and set free and healed and all those kinds of things. But the reality is the church has got to get ready for this. The church has to become prepared to do the work that God is calling us to do. I'm going to tell you the truth. If this whole neighborhood just came in here, if God just suddenly came down and, and, and by His Spirit drew even a fourth of this neighborhood into this church in one given Sunday, we would not know what to do with them. We would not know how to disciple and equip that quantity of people. And so it's, it's pertinent for us that we begin to become prepared for this crossover, if you will, so that we move to the other side of the river and we begin to possess what is the inheritance of God, and that is souls for the kingdom. And so we need to get ourselves ready. So I see us in the beginning of this year as very much camped as a church, and we need to spend this winter making the assessments and doing the work of being equipped so that, and discipled ourselves so that we can do the work of the kingdom when we are called to cross over and evangelize. Do you understand that? I mean, does that make sense to you as, as God's people? We, we really want to help you do that. And Pastor Dave and I cannot do that alone. Thus the gifts assessment here at the end of the year that we, we did. And, and, and we're trying to figure out now who has what giftings and how will we use them together as the body? There's something that, that Pastor Dave and I have learned over, over the years together and we know it now more than we ever have and that is that this is not the day of the hot dog. This is not the day of the one-man show. It's not about men. It's not about women. You be very careful about going to those churches where you see the picture of the pastor in a, a, a 9 foot by 12 foot frame at the front of the church and his wife standing there with him and they look regal. They may be regal there. But I'm telling you, it's not about a man. And it's not about a woman. It's not about one teacher or another teacher. It's about the body of Christ coming together and living out the truth of God's word. And it, it's been way too long that the long, lone ranger kind of guys have been out there unaccountable to anyone and saying what they will and teaching what they may and not being forced to, to let themselves line up with the truth of God's Word and giving foolishness mixed and mingled in with elements of truth. I'm, I, I'm being very serious here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still in the right tree. Trust, please, please stay with me. I am in the right tree. I'm a shepherd, and I'm in the tree of life, and I'm in the tree of grace, but I am a shepherd, and I will not allow the sheep to be hurt in this day. And I am convinced that as a shepherd and as a servant shepherd to serve you as, as your pastor, it is my responsibility and it is David's responsibility that we love you out of the truth of God's Word, not out of the emotions of the hour or the trend of the day or what 
the, the churches are doing because it's the thing to do in this hour. That's not who we are. And that's, that's not who we're going to be. And we're literally trying to refocus ourselves back to say, we want to go right with the Word of God. If it's in the Word of God, we're going to do it. If it's not, we're not. We're not going to play around with this thing. We're going to get equipped. We're going to get equipped to, to bring people to wholeness, to healing, to perfection in Christ. Not our own perfection, not a, not a perfection based out of our works or our, our merits, but a perfection that is in, in, in understanding that we are in Christ and Him alone, nothing else, and that we live out of that position with Him. And out of that we can function. So with that, let me give you three things this morning that I think are important for us as we start out here. And first of all, it is this. Christ has given us the means and the purpose of being equipped. The means and the purpose of being equipped. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. There it is right there. It is. It is Christ who gave. And He has given the leadership into the church and he has, he has put certain gifts in the leaders in order that those leaders can equip the body. You can... I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to package this as positively as I can, okay? You can experience as much as you want anywhere you want. You're free to go to any churches you want to and visit them at any time. You're free to listen to any other minister, uh, sit, sit in their pews, uh, turn on the radio, put in the DVD. You can do whatever. You're free to do that. We don't, we don't hinder that. We actually encourage that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're a lifer in Life Church, Pastor Bill and Pastor Dave are your pastors. That is not a pompous statement. We don't take it lightly. And we will do our job. And our job is to make sure that you live obedient to the Word of God and be faithful to Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's what we're called to do. And we'll do that with humility. But I'm going to tell you something. I'll fight for your soul. And if something that calls itself a minister or puts some title behind its name gets between you and Jesus, I'll stand between that and you. I'll come in there and I'll fight for your soul to the very end because that's what I'm called to do. And at the end of the day, when I am standing before God and I am being judged by Him, that is what He will talk to me about. It's how I, as a shepherd, cared for you and not my own benefit. And so I'm telling you, we will, we will fight for you and we will fight for the truth that must rule in your heart and be established in your mind. I, I will do everything I can to make certain that when you are in this house, you are safe. You are safe. So you can go anywhere you want to. You can drink out of any trough you want to drink out of. You can eat from any feedlot you want to eat from. But I'm going to tell you what. When you come back home to this corral, you're safe. You're safe.
enough said. We're here for you to teach you and to equip you for works of service. Why? So that you can be built up. So that you can grow. So that you can reach a level of maturity that allows you to have unity in the faith with others in the body of Christ. We're going to equip you for the works of service. The works of service. So here's the deal. As you are being discipled and as you are being equipped, there is going to be much expectation put upon you as the body of Christ to serve. Life Church will never be known. I don't think it ever has been, but it will never be known as a place for spectator sport. No one gets to sit on the sideline and just watch the game. Everyone plays. Everyone, everyone has a part. And so I want to lay that challenge out to you today that if you have been only on the sideline and you've just been coming and feeding, prepare your heart because we're going to equip you to serve, to do the works of service. Here's the second thing I want to bring out this morning. And that is that this idea of equipping, it cannot be done outside of truth. Can't be done outside of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We've seen some things happen over the last couple of decades. That, that are a bit troubling. As, as leaders, I'm very concerned that many in the body of Christ are trying to equip themselves outside of truth. They're trying to get equipped. They're learning skills for leadership and they're learning things to do and, and ways to serve and, 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 and uh, things that they can do to help uh, in the world and they're aligning themselves to serve in, in other places other than the local church. And it's amazing how many Christians feel that their Christian response, and this is not a slam against animals or pets, okay? I just happened to read this, all right? Many Christians feel that their Christian service is helping stray animals, are, are, are going to the Humane Society and giving hours of service there. And then they're asked, well, what are you doing in the local church? Oh, well, this is what I do for the Lord. You can go help animals. I'm not opposed to that, but not at the expense of doing something to evangelize lost people. We're going to live out of God's value system. And God's value is more on people and their souls than anything else on the face of this earth including the level of equipping that we get or receive. The value isn't just in what we learn. He says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I chose you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so our, our purpose is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus looks out on the harvest and says, the harvest is ripe. You need to pray the Lord of the harvest to do what? Send the workers, those equipped 
to handle the harvest. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We will not equip you outside of truth. We will not compromise truth for anything that you're going to learn or receive. It's all going to, to be in the context of truth. It's going to be totally scriptural based. So the discipleship class you get here at Life Church, and we're going, we're really going to challenge you. We're going to start this probably within the next month. And we're really going to challenge everyone who is a covenant member of this church. We expect you to go through the, the discipleship program. If you are a regular attender, we expect you to go through the program. If you are an occasional attender, we expect you to become a regular attender and go through the program. Because the key is that you are equipped to do the work of the kingdom. And here's the last thing. And that is this. God is our source. And He will give what's needed. God is our source. And He will give what's needed. This is basically the, the benediction of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. This is the writer's benediction to, to his readers. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. That's the resurrection. That great shepherd of the sheep. Verse 21. Equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pastor David and I and others who will be leaders in discipling you in this church, we are the conduits, but God is your source. Everything that will work through you, maturity, is coming from God the Father. All right? And so we are relying upon Him and the power of the Holy Spirit to come in this season. And, and we are, we are uh, depending upon the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, if you will in this process of, of illuminating our minds, of opening us up to receive the, the, the teaching and, and the revelation of truth. But He will, this, this word says, He will equip you with everything good for doing His will. God is the source of this and He is faithful to give you what you need. And so we're going to help you to, to, to understand your giftings even better and to understand how you are able to use them in the body of Christ. And we're going to take that and we're going to wrap the Word of God around all of that and we're going to grow you and mature you. And then we're going to put expectations upon us based on the truth of God's Word. And we're going to go out and we're going to share an impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, this is quite simple. This is not a complicated... We're not going to try to overcomplicate this thing. We're going to try to bring it down and simplify it, actually. And so it's all about getting prepared. It's all about being equipped. I've been talking to Pastor Dave about this for several weeks, especially the past couple of weeks. We've really been trying to just talk this through and, and understand the implications of this for us as your leaders and for you as, as the, the lifers here and uh, I haven't really talked to, to anyone else about it. Uh, this morning, Jack came into my office. Jack comes into my office often, you know. He just saunters in. 
tells me something and walks out and just leaves it with me. That's sort of the prophetic gift, you know, which he probably scored way higher in that area the other week on the assessment than I did, all right? So it's good that I have him here, all right? So this morning he comes in. Jack comes in. He's got papers in his hands, you know. Here. Throws it on my little nightstand that's by my desk there and says, do whatever you want to with it. Am I right, Jack? Is that kind of, yeah. Do, do whatever you want to with it. Whatever. Now, throws his hands up in the air and walks out. I'm like, oh, great. Well, let's see what we got here. Dated 12-23-11. So the day before Christmas Eve. And then there's one dated 12-26. So obviously Jack's been praying and Jack's been talking to God. And Jack's been writing stuff down that God's been saying to him. So I'm just going to I'm just going to take one of these and share it with you a little bit here. So I think Jack got this from God. I think his prophetic gift blossomed on the 23rd of December and in a moment of prayer, I think the spirit of the Lord came upon him and the impressions that he got he wrote down on paper. I love that about an accountable prophet. you're going to tell me you're going to be a prophet in the house of God, this is the way to do it, folks, right here. Write it down. Then you're going to stand by it. You're going to be accountable for it. I love that about how Jack has always been accountable to me in his prophetic uh, gift and to the rest of the leadership of the church as well. So I think, I think Jack heard from the Lord. And so as a closing to this message this morning, I want, I want the Lord to speak to your heart. So would you just, in a prayerful spirit of receiving the word of the Lord, hear what I'm going to share with you. And would you, in faith, receive it as the word of the Lord for you this morning, regardless of life, church, or not. Let's hear this from the Lord. December 23rd. 2011 in the context of equipping prepare the way of the Lord this is a season to move to prepare to get ready to act upon that which the Lord has revealed the Lord says he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I believe that this is what the Lord is saying. I have pulled on your hearts. I have called to you. I have spoken many things to you. Now walk in the way I have set before you. I am increasing my strength in you so that you can do what I have commanded you. I am coming in greater power and in greater revelation of who I am. I am coming to you, Life Church, and I am coming to this neighborhood to show that I am the Redeemer and to show that I am the Restorer. Mark those two words in your heart, people. Redeemer and Restorer. I am coming as the Redeemer because I am going to reach out to the lost 
through life, church. I am coming as a restorer because that which the evil one, the world and the flesh have torn apart, I am going to restore. I am the sovereign king of kings, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting and who lives forevermore. These next words are referenced from Hosea chapter 11 and Hosea chapter 2. This is the season in which my heart is turned over inside me and all my passions are kindled and burning and I will have my bride and I will have the lost as my people. I have already spoken it in my word. I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, Thou art my God. You have already seen and felt the first raindrops of what I am pouring out. I am the Lord. And I say to you, stand strong and do not fear what is coming. For I am in it, all over it. Because this is my story. And I am writing it. And no one else can. This is my story. I am writing it. No one else can. I don't know the final chapter. But I think I know the one we're in. And I think I'm starting to see some of the things God is up to. And I think it's time for you and I to really get ready like never before. I think it's time for you and I to be challenged as never before. I think it's time for you and I to be shaken in our comfortable places and to allow the discomfort of a holy God to move us. And so I want to ask you for the moment to just close your eyes. In just a moment, I'm going to turn the service over to Pastor Dave. But before I do, I want just a moment here. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Would you think of one or two or three things right now that you know are goals that you need to set for this new year, spiritually speaking? I asked my daughter last night, what are, you, what's, what are your goals? And she goes, I'm going to eat healthy. No, I mean like... God goals. <laughs> so, what are your God goals right now? All right, now let me pray for you. Sometime today, sit down and write them out a little bit fuller than maybe what you're just thinking right now. Pray into them. Let God expand them. Expound upon them. Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son, right now, oh, Holy Spirit, come. And I ask you, Lord, that you just empower every person here to live out these goals for 2012. I pray, God, that we will be a church that prepares the way of the Lord. I pray, Father, that you would equip us in this year as never before to be the people of God who go out 
and to bring the light and the love of Jesus Christ into dark places. I pray, Lord, that we will not resist your spirit, nor will we quench it. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be a light along a path that others may follow. And I pray, Lord, that as we serve you, and as the lost are one, that you will help us as Life Church to never grow weary in doing good, knowing full well that in due season we will reap, we will reap a harvest, and that harvest is a harvest of souls. God, prosper every man and woman, boy and girl in this room, and more than in terms of wealth or worldly prospering, I pray that their souls will prosper and that they will be equipped for the good works of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. Well, I too am extremely excited about this year of equipping that we're getting ready to go into. And uh, I want to echo Pastor Bill's words that as one of your shepherds, I feel tremendous weight and responsibility to lead you in the right path. Um, I believe that uh, never before has there ever been such a drawing um, of such power away from the truth that, that you all have to face. And you hear things from uh, many different parts of Christianity that uh, will attempt to draw you away from the truth. And so uh, it's my heart, it's Pastor Bill's heart that we keep you grounded in the truth. You know, we sang about it again today. But we want you to be like a tree planted by streams of living water. We want your roots to go down deep here at Life Church. And one of the areas that we feel very responsible to equip you in is in the gospel. Because after all, our mission, our vision here is to reach this neighborhood that God has planted us in, to be a light here. And um, the biggest message that we're all responsible for is the gospel. Now, in my mind, the gospel has never come under so much attack as today. Um, the true gospel. You'll hear all kinds of different things that hell it really, really isn't real. Um, maybe, maybe everybody's going to be saved. Um, God is love, so what's all this talk about hell and, and punishment and stuff? You'll hear all kinds of different things. And as your shepherd, I feel a tremendous responsibility to make sure that you know what is true. So it's my job to tell you the truth, and today it's your job to make a decision about that truth. And you might be here today, and you've never heard what I will just, what I'm about to tell you is the gospel. You've never heard it, and today you're going to get a chance to make a decision. I believe this is the most important story also for us as God's people to understand and to be able to articulate. And I'm not going to make it really complicated. I'm a pretty simple guy. I don't complicate things typically because maybe I'm just not that smart. But I think of the gospel as being really two parts, all right? The really, really, really unbelievably bad news and the really, really unbelievably good news. And we sang about both. We sang about God's love and His grace, but we also sang about our sin and our shame and our guilt being taken away. And you can't have one without the other. They have to exist together. And so when you're talking about uh, the gospel to people, you have to remember just two things. I've got to tell them the bad news and the good news somewhere in there. Because the good news isn't really that good without the bad news, without revealing how bad our state was. And so this, friends, is the gospel. And, and I would encourage you, like Pastor Bill said, that when you are listening to people, when you are out there uh, 
in other ministries as we all are. I mean, I listen to several different podcasts a week. We all do this, and it's great. But when you're uh, sort of measuring ministries and things, I measure them by their uh, stance on the gospel, by how closely they stick to the truth of the gospel, by how much they value and treasure Jesus and what he did. If you start to see things going away from there and you start to see things veering off, that's where you start to get concerned. So, um, in my own words, this is kind of how I view the gospel. First, I tell people, or I tell them about how I came to know the bad news. The bad news is that the Bible says we are all sinners. We were born with a sinful nature because the first man, Adam, sinned, and we are all his um, descendants. And so we were born into this sin, and we commit sin. Now, most of us don't think our sin is that big of a deal, to be honest with you, because we compare ourselves to other people. We say, well, I'm not that bad compared to, you know, this person in jail. Or I'm, not, or I'm not that bad compared to Hitler. You know, we'll just put him up there, and then we all look like saints. But the truth of the matter is that our sin is very, very serious to God. It's extremely serious. It was so serious that he uh, sent his own son, put him on a cross, and punished our sin on his own son. It's very, very serious. So the first thing that people need to realize is that they have sinned, and that their sin will lead them to eternal punishment, eternal anguish, eternal destruction in a place called hell. That's very, very, very real. Over half of Jesus' parables are about punishment and hell. The Bible talks about God's wrath over 600 times. We love to focus on certain characteristics of God, and God is love. We, thank, we sang about it. That is, that is one of the definitions of who God is. But love is not God. God is love. Love is not God. So we talk about God being love, but we also have to include the other attributes of God. And one of them is his justice and his wrath. And be certain, your sin will be punished. Either you will take the punishment for your sin, either I will take the punishment for my sin, or it will be handled with Jesus on the cross. Those are the two ways it gets taken care of, according to the Bible. If I'm not giving you truth, you can challenge me on this afterwards. My job is to tell you the truth. This is not a popular message, people. Be certain that when you die... If you are carrying your own sin, you will go to hell forever. Forever in eternal anguish. It's a powerful, compelling message. It was so powerful that God sent his own son to earth. This is where the bad news ends and the good news starts. The gospel in itself means good news. That's a downer of a message if that's where it stops. That we are all headed for hell eternal destruction. And that's where it would have been without Christmas, without what we just celebrated. And without Easter and the resurrection, we would still be there. But the good news is that God in his love and his mercy and unbelievable compassion said, I'm going to esteem their lives, meaning you and me, worth more than the life of my own son. I'm going to brutally crucify him on a cross. I'm going to punish him for your sin and for mine. That when we put our faith and our trust in him, we can have eternal life in him. We can have the hope of our, our own bodies resurrected after we die, but also the eternal hope that we will live in a place called heaven with him forever. Those are the two options according to the scriptures. There are no other options. There's not a place called purgatory according to the scriptures. There are no other options. It's either hell for eternity, eternal punishment, or heaven for eternity, eternal bliss with God. Those are the two options that the Bible presents to us. And so 
my job is to tell you the truth about this message. And I believe that's our job to tell the neighborhood the truth in the most loving, gracious way we possibly can. To tell them both the bad news and the good news. And to let them make the decision. To let people make the decision for themselves. And so, if you are here today and uh, you, you say, man, that's really bad news on the front end of that. But that good news sounds just incredibly, maybe it sounds too good to be true. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Pastor Bill would love to talk to you. You can talk to anybody around you to say, hey, can, I, can you talk to me more about this man Jesus? Who was he? Was he really real? How do I know that he was really real? There's a lot of questions that can arise from this. I know I'm keeping it pretty simple today. But I'm telling you, don't wait. I mean, I think that your eternity is way too important to mess with. It's way too important to risk. And so if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, yes, give your life to him. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, like we sang today. My sin, my guilt, my shame, my death, all taken away. It's true. It's true. It's actually that good. The good news is actually that good, that it's taken away forever and that you become a son or a daughter of God. We become his children. And then all that bad news is, is past. It's history. And, and then you go forward as God's child, living in grace, because you will mess up. So when you repent, we turn not only from our sins, the, the bad things that we've done, the ways that we've transgressed, but we also turn from our, our self-righteousness, our ways that we've tried to save ourselves, and we just turn to Jesus, and that is the message, that Jesus is the only way to salvation. If you're here today and you say, I'd like to come to Jesus today, I'd like to confess him as my Savior, repent for my sin, turn only to him, then we'd like to pray for you afterwards. And there'll be a time here where we, where we welcome you to come. And, and pray with us. Um, if you'd like prayer for uh, boldness in your own proclaiming the gospel, we'd love to pray for you. Um, if you're just wanting prayer for any other reason, this, this time is for you as well. Um, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Or Nathan, if you'd just come up. And we're going to have a little bit of time here of ministry. Those of you who would like to go are dismissed, but let me pray for you as we begin 2012 together. Father, we uh, come to you today as your people, grateful for another year, knowing that we deserve nothing, knowing that all of us deserve hell. We deserve the punishment that is due us for our sin. But thankful, overwhelmingly grateful, that that is not how our story will end, because you have stepped in. You've, you've taken our place. You've sent your son, Jesus. You've made a way. And in that we see your incredible love. Love that we could not imagine. Love that we could never possess. A depth of love that we could never fathom. But we know you possess it because we see what you've done in your son, Jesus. And so, Father, as we uh, prepare to be equipped this year to do the work of the ministry, I pray that this gospel message would become precious to us. And I pray that in our efforts to make it appealing, we wouldn't dumb it down. In our efforts to make it sound a little less offensive, we wouldn't take the sting out of the bad news. And that we'd leave it up to you. Holy Spirit, we trust you 
as you live inside of us, as you are making us new every day and more like Jesus, that you will give us the words to say as we go out and as we share this story and how it's changed our lives with our friends, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our relatives, and that we'd see more people this year come to know you than ever before. And that we'd see them stay with you through the good times and the bad because they know what they've been saved from. We love you, Lord Jesus. We trust you. God, will you help Pastor Bill and I as we shepherd Life Church? We are faulty shepherds. We have feet of clay, and you know that. And so I'm asking you today publicly that you would help us as we uh, prepare to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We love you, Father, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.